Get Brian Mudd. Download your iHeartRadio app and turn up News Radio 610 WIOD. President Joe Biden has caused a humanitarian crisis and chaos on our border. A little bit. A little bit. Welcome back to the uh, Domestic Terrorist Show. Joined now by Senator Marco Rubio. Appreciate the time. Thanks for having me. I tell you, just when you think this administration can't become any more absurd, they go for it. What do you make of the priority of the Attorney General of the United States being the investigation of concerned parents and citizens over what's happening in classrooms? Yeah, first let me just tell you, if I had said that to anybody just a year ago or four years ago, people would say, all right, yeah, there's some wild people on the other side of this, but not that deranged. And that's exactly what's happening here. I mean, by the way, it doesn't end. I mean, the Justice Department, basically, we haven't heard the Attorney General really give a lot of priority to things like, I don't know, human trafficking rings that are smuggling people across the border, organized crime, the, you know, the out-of-control fentanyl and, uh, you know, methamphetamine and cocaine problem that's flowing into the country from, from all over the world. You know, the problems that Al-Qaeda or ISIS might try to strike the homeland now that they've got a place to work out of in Afghanistan. None of these things are a priority. What's a priority over the last month is investigating states like Florida that have schools that, uh, that don't have mass mandates at the state level, uh, investigating um, and, and, and now, apparently, uh, allowing school board members who don't like to be screened at to uh, report parents as a danger to the FBI. And I guess the FBI will come in and ask you questions. What did you mean by, you know, you don't agree with this or you don't agree with that? Well, why were you so rude to them? I mean, it's just it's 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 insanity. It really is. But it didn't surprise me because what these people want is control and they are prepared to, to do whatever it takes to have control. And there's no accountability. I mean, it, it isn't like they're going to get a lot of the media outrage. I mean, 90% of the mainstream media in America will sort of say, you know, this needs to happen, or they'll just ignore it and move on to some other fake outrage. So honestly, it doesn't surprise me. I think the worst is yet to come. I can't imagine what it is. Maybe it'll be saying they want to take parents away from kids if the parents refuse to have their kids vaccinated, uh, because that's child abuse. I mean, I don't know where this ends, but I think people are seeing it for what it is, and I hope they'll start pushing back real hard. You know, Senator, I think about some things as you're talking. I was thinking all the way back when they're talking to you when you were still in the state legislature. And I think we got something going here that is akin to the Tea Party movement that helped lead you past our then-Republican governor-turned-independent Senate candidate-turned-Democrats congressman and whatever else he wants to be along the way. That movement, that energy where people had an awakening, they had their eyes open, I feel like we got something similar that's going on here with schools. And I do actually understand why they're so desperate, because they've been indoctrinating. Now, nobody's paid attention to school boards the way that we should. It's on us. We haven't. But they've been using the the unions, have been controlling the schools, they've been controlling the school boards, and they're they're like, holy crap, now, you know, now the game's up. So I understand right. why the threat is there, but it's also that important, I feel, that we stay on it the way that we are and don't give an inch to their threats. Look, there was a time not that long ago when American politics was divided, but it was divided between, you know, two groups of people that both agreed this is a great country. It has some problems. And one group wanted to, like, raise taxes and spend a bunch of government money to fix those problems. And the other group thought, well, maybe less government and less taxes is a better idea. But everybody agreed this is a phenomenal country. Today, that's not the dividing line. The dividing line in American politics is between people that realize this is a pretty good country, in fact, better than any other place in the world. 
And the people who argue this is a terrible country, this is a racist country, this is a country with a shameful history, this is a country whose economy oppresses people, and we don't need to fix this country. We need to tear it down and build it back better, build it back into something different. That is now the dividing line. It's a definitional fight over what the country is and whether what we know is America is worth saving or whether we should create something new that we call America. And so you talk about schools. These people are masters. Okay, they've become masters at, at phrases and at marketing. So now they're saying this is not critical race theory. No, this is inclusion, diversity, and something else. I mean, it used to, this is about equity. This is about um, social justice. I mean, who's against justice? Who can be against things that are equal or equity? Who can be? But they use these phrases. But in reality, what they're saying is we want to remake America completely. And the way you do it is, first, you tell people this is a terrible place, not worth saving. Then you divide people against each other. You tell one group of people you're victims. You tell everybody else you're oppressors. And, and, and then the third thing you do is you punish anyone who disagrees with you. I mean, you, you silence them. You're, this is the Marxist playbook that has been run in country after country around the world. And, and, and there are a lot of people out there that probably aren't Marxists, but they're going along with it. They're going along with it because they're in the same political party or because they're afraid of these people um, or whatever. I mean, and, 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 uh, and it, it's, a, it's a real serious thing. And I, I hope people are waking up to the big picture, not just about school boards, not just about mandates, not just about this or that. This is an effort to completely redefine what it means to be the United States of America. And, um, you know, they're not the majority. The, the, the people that are arguing this stuff about how terrible this country is, they're not the majority, but they are the people that control virtually every major institution in society. One of our two political parties that controls a lot of government, they control most of the media, they control the schools and universities, and corporate America goes along with them, and they control these tech monopolies who are their enforcers in terms of silencing people. So... The big problem. Talking to Senator Marco Rubio, speaking of big problems, what we got going on at our border yesterday, uh, kudos. You led uh, an initiative joined by a handful of other senators, including Senator Rick Scott, uh, petitioning President Biden to fire Vice President Harris from being the borders are, given that it's been nothing but a catastrophe. Well, I don't know what she's done I'm at the border. I don't know what she's done about the issue. She, uh, I think they um, trying to keep her out of the limelight every time she goes publicly somewhere or some gaffe happens or some, she says something or something bad happens so I, I don't know what's happening there but she's certainly not working on the border look the border issue is very simple okay it's simple but complex in the sense that we first of all those of us who live in this community have a tremendous affinity respect and uh, for the Haitian Americans that are here and, and understand the suffering that's happened in that country we, we, and, and look our heart breaks for that situation so I don't mean to single them out but it's the most recent one there are between 90 and 120,000 Haitians living in different countries in the Western Hemisphere. Many of them have been out of Haiti for over 10 or 12 years, you know, since 2010 or longer. You know, they've been out in the, um, since the earthquake, others more recent. And they all want to come here. Many went to Chile, for example, when there was a lot of construction jobs. And there were, but now the Chile, there's no construction jobs. The economy's flatlined. And so now they're, they're, their plan is to come to the United States. And they believe, and they believe, and, they, and I understand why they believe, that if they can make it to the border of the United States, they're going to get to stay. There are a few, I mean, if you're really unlucky, you, you might get deported, but generally they're going to allow you to stay. And they're going to give you a date to show up for a hearing, and you'll figure it out then. And that's what's happening. And so that's not just happening with hate, it's happening with people from all over the world. And listen, I understand. I do. I really do in our heartbreak. But, but no country in the world, the flip side of it is there's no nation on earth that can just say anybody who wants to come, come. Especially not, if, if we said that, if we officially said that, you have, I don't know, 50, 60, 70 million people trying to get into this terrible country, uh, according to the left. 
uh, trying to get into the United States every day. You just can't have it. It's, it's just not, it's not even fair to the migrants, by the way, because you're putting them, you're making them vulnerable to these evil trafficking networks that do terrible things to, to people that are trying to come here. But that's what the Biden administration's done. Now, they can argue all about what the law says in writing, the way it's being applied. It is an open border and an open invitation to come to this country illegally, which, by the way, one more irony, if you're a border agent in the United States of America and you're not vaccinated, you will be fired in December. But if you are someone from another country who enters this, who tries to enter illegally, even if you're not vaccinated, you get to enter the United States and stay. So you can't even go to a restaurant in California or New York, but, um, but, but, you, but you can enter the United States if you're not vaccinated. I mean, it's just another irony of ironies here. So true. Um, any update? Where we stand with Mansion and Cinema, given that they're kind of like you know our our last line of defense against uh, the next tier of of Marxism. Yeah, let me just say this about Joe and, and and Kirsten. Okay, they're not Republicans. They're not. I mean, I would say I mean moderate in some issues, but generally they're pretty like consistent liberals on many many issues. They're just not apparently not crazy, you know, in terms of going along <laughs> yeah. with some of the stuff these people aren't doing, and what they're being put through is extraordinary. You know, yeah. Bernie, there was a letter written the other day that was to condemn, you know, Cory Booker put up this letter condemning what this group stood to Kirsten Cinema, and Bernie Sanders wouldn't sign it because he wanted the letter to condemn her views and say, you know, no one should be doing this, but she needs to change her position on these issues. I mean, so that's the point we've reached, frankly, in, in American politics. The update is this, and that is they're under tremendous pressure. And I mean, I'm not going to badmouth them or, or say anything about them because I think they've put up with a lot already. But look, I'm not comfortable with the notion that they're, they're – let me put it to you this way. Joe was talking about a $1.5 trillion deal. It doesn't matter if it's $1.5 trillion or $5 trillion because all they'll do is they'll just say, okay, all these new programs we're going to create, instead of making them 10-year programs, we'll make them five-year programs because they know once they pass them, they're going to get redone. You know, repealing them is going to be impossible. So they don't care if it's for one year or 10 years. As long as they get them in the books, as long as they can codify socialism, which is what they're trying to do, codify a federal government takeover of early childhood education, of the complete takeover of higher education, of health care, of everything, if they can do that, <clears throat> the energy sector, even if, for, even if those programs are only two for two years, once those things get in the books and they start growing roots, they'll never be repealed. And so the amount doesn't matter as much as the content of that bill. If it's just for one year, it's going to be a problem. And I think that's going to be an enormous fight because if that bill passes, even if it's pared down to very little spending in the short term, that's not what it's actually going to cost. And it will redefine, completely redefine the nature of our economy and the federal government's role in every, virtually every aspect of our lives. Worst team right now, Democrat Party or the Miami Dolphins? <laughs> well, the Dolphins still have a bunch of games left to play, so there's a chance for them. Democrat Party, look, I would tell you that I think the majority of Democrats are, are not down for some of the stuff, but this is what the base of that party, this is what the activist base of that party, and in some cases the small-dollar donor base of that party, the people that help you raise millions of dollars online believe in are demanding. And I think for a lot of leaders in the Democratic Party, they're going along with it. I can tell you there are senators right now that look at some of the stuff and are uncomfortable with it, but the price, but they see the price you pay for stepping out of line, you're going to get married, you're going to have people chasing you into bathrooms and, and harassing you. And, and they don't want to deal with it. And that's, that's what's happened in corporate America. That's what's happened in a lot of places. There's a huge price to pay for stepping out of line, especially if that's your home, the Democratic Party. So maybe this is only 15% of the Democratic Party's voter base, but it is, you know, an enormous and overwhelming percentage of the leadership of that party. And um, it's heading in a real bad direction. And some of the stuff is just, it's not even liberal conservative. It's crazy versus normal. And, um, and, and that's sort of the dividing line in American politics, which is why I think there's a, there's going to be a huge amount of pushback 
including among people that maybe have never voted for a Republican and may not agree with someone like me on everything. But they're not, they don't want the country to go to hell, and they're, and they're not for crazy stuff. And God bless you, Marco. Appreciate the time. Keep holding the line. Yes, sir. Thanks for having me on. You got it. All right. You're listening to The Brian Mudd Show, News Radio 610 WIOD.